Tenekoto, Nomai, Hairamai. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of Season 9 of the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. If you are a new listener, thank you for joining us today. If you're a returning listener, it's lovely to have you back with us. Today I have a guest who has brought to my attention in a very different manner. One that I actually talked about with Michelle Bollinger in the first part of Vampire's Fact or Fiction from the last two episodes and I'm going to insert a part of that conversation at the beginning of the conversation with my guest as it's very relevant to this episode. I'll talk a little more about that as we begin our actual conversation. We will be discussing the African-American belief system of hoodoo. So without further ado, let's walk into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there. Because I didn't know much about this belief system, I did some research and I actually found this quote that I'm going to share verbatim from an article entitled Hoodoo in St. Louis, an African-American religious tradition, found on, of all places, the U.S. National Park Service website. A link to the actual article is on this episode's page of our podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. Hoodoo, not to be confused with voodoo, is a spiritual religious tradition created by enslaved African Americans in the United States and inspired by Central and West African religious practices. The practices include herbal healing, veneration of African ancestors, counterclockwise circle dancing, ring shout, water immersion, sacred music, spirit possession, divination, and using charms for spiritual protection against physical harm and conjure. Many of these Central and West African religious practices were brought to North America during the transatlantic slave trade. Enslaved Africans were often forced to become Christians upon arrival in North America. The synchronization of African practices with the Christian religion created hoodoo among enslaved African Americans. Slave codes did not allow large gatherings of free or enslaved blacks, and it was a crime for African Americans to practice traditions from Africa. As a result, some hoodoo practices were hidden in African American churches, creating a unique brand of Christianity that fused African traditions that was called Afro-Christianity or African American Christianity. The hoodoo religion during slavery included religious practices from various African cultural groups, including the Odinani region of the Igbo people, 
the Yorba and the Vodun regions of the Fon and Yu people and a Bantu Congo tradition in Central Africa. All these African religious traditions blended and fused with Christianity on slave plantations, creating a unique spiritual tradition practiced by enslaved African Americans and their descendants. After the Civil War, many of these African religious practices survived in hoodoo and became a spiritual practice that continues in African American communities today. I apologize for any mispronunciation of the African names whilst reading that quotation. My guest does not have a public blurb so that I can tell you all about his background. He has allowed me to call him D, so that is how I refer to him throughout this episode. D has a TikTok account where he talks about his belief, understandings and other things that take his fancy. His account has over 200,000 followers with over 2.9 million likes. So he is well followed there. His account on Instagram also has thousands of followers. So I'll just let Dee talk for himself. He's very open, at times raw and vulnerable about discussing very personal issues. He's currently engaged to a wonderful man and splits his time between living in the States at his place and in Mexico at his fiancé's home where he was when this conversation took place. Welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us today. For my listeners who are listening in, I met Dee in a very interesting way. For those of you who follow my podcast, when I was talking with Michelle Bollinger, I talked about an experience I'd had the night before. Yeah, the other thing that I've noticed specifically with dreamwalking dream telepathy and similar communications is when it is another mind reaching into you, reaching into your mental space, you notice it because it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your regular dreams uh, have a familiarity to them. There's a pattern and a shape and a feel. And when another mind interposes itself in there, it changes the shape of it. Mm-hmm. And the very fact that you notice it means that you are more likely to remember that experience when you wake up. That's actually ironic. I had one just last night, actually. And I don't remember seeing this person's face, but he was male and he was a southern male. And I remember him very, very clearly because he had this absolutely the broadest cultured southern accent I've ever heard and I lived in North Carolina for a while so I was used to the 
southern mm. accents today. And I thought, oh, you know, what's this person doing in my dream? It wasn't even, you know, just there out of the blue. I, I, I He must have been talking to me for a while. I have no recollection of what he was saying to me, but I just remember him leaving. And then the very next day, after I spoke to her, I had just posted my social media for the day on TikTok. And Spirit said to me, now you need to scroll and see what's on your feed. And the first thing that popped up was D. Now, in this experience that I shared with Michelle, I had a visit from a person I've never met before, but their voice they had this most beautiful accent, and it's an accent that I absolutely do. I loved when I was living in the States, and I it still I still love it. It's a very cultured Southern accent, and uh, I the voice was unmistakable. And I was telling Michelle about it anyway. So I was on my feed, and Spirit said to me, "Look at this person," and I, and, I, and it was you talking about. Oh, it's one of your pinned ones where you're wearing your yellow head. Sit down for a minute. We're going to have a bit of a talk. It's going to be a bit of a long one. So, you know, bear with me. Now, I'm just going to come right out and say it. Some of y'all on this app are way too trigger happy to be doing spiritual work on situations that either A, you're in, or B, you have no business being in whatsoever or meddling in whatsoever. Which is the reason why divination is so important before you do any kind of spiritual work for anybody. Because you need to sit down and assess three things in full. Not only the spirit of the person and if that person is meant to be going through what they're going through with the said situation that they're in. You need to assess the nature and the spirit of said situation which is going to dictate how you're supposed to work that situation. Are you supposed to be forceful? Is it supposed to be quick? Is it supposed to be subtle? Is it delicate? You know? And lastly, is spirit moving in that situation or not? Now, don't get me wrong. Even if spirit is moving in that situation on that person's behalf, sometimes they'd be like, okay, yes, do the work for them and everything. Meet me halfway in order to be able to help them out. Sometimes spirit would tell you, hell no, stay your hand away and everything. What they're going through is on them. You have no business taking part whatsoever. In some ways, many ways actually is how my grandmother says you must learn to be able to see god in every situation that not only what you're going through but what other people is going through because you never know there's deeper understandings messages lessons meanings and what is going through not only in the good but also in the bad but also how my grandmother also says all things are of god and all god is good regardless if the situation might be shitty or if the situation might be beneficial if anything, the work that you should be doing on the daily is promoting your own prosperity and abundance, promoting your own healing and growth and alignment in your own spiritual journey, and working your protections on the daily before even thinking about doing anything for anyone else or getting involved into something that you have no business being a part of. Bottom line, spiritually learn to mind your own goddamn business sometimes and keep it moving and worry about your own damn self before you worry about someone else. Are you good first? That's really what it boils down to. Y'all have a blessed day. Oh, yes. It was the one that I was talking about. Um, and long story short, I was talking about don't meddle in other people's business magically because you might be circumventing or stopping them from learning a lesson. And then you get caught up in it and you're wondering why you're looking dumb and stuck. <laughs> Absolutely. That was that. And, it, and it was as soon as I heard your voice, it was like, oh my god that's the guy that visited me the other night 
it was unmistakable. And so I, I've got to hunt this guy down. There's a reason why I saw him in my dream state. So I need to contact him. And so I couldn't contact you on Twitter. So I went to Instagram and found you on there and contacted you through there. And here we are. So that's mm. how I came to meet Dee. So I'm really excited to be talking to him today. And, and what's um, funny is that I, I'm normally cautious about doing podcasts and stuff like that and everything, because I've been having people for the past, like, what, a couple of weeks messaging me going like, hey, I want you to promote this. Hey, I want you to promote that. But they have no notoriety or anything backing them or no, like, no websites or anything like that. But uh-huh. for some reason, my ancestors just like, when I was reading your thing about like, hey, I want you to do a podcast. I was like, I don't know. But my ancestors just like, do it. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> wow. And the strange thing is, I was just brutally up front with Dee. I told him that I'd had this dream and he could have said, oh, well, this is a real kook. This is somebody I need to watch out for. But I kind of felt like you were a straight up upfront person without having seen any of your other videos, just that one. So I mm. knew that it was best to be straight up and direct with mm. you. Yeah, I mean, to, I'm literally one of those people. I mean... I, going to use this metaphor i'm the type of person where i will give you more credit if you show me your knife up front and put it to my face than hide it behind your back oh absolutely yeah yeah and i'm definitely what you see is what you get person Mm -hmm. no time for subterfuge and you know it's just not respectful respect is everything so here we are today and I will have to say, because I I knew nothing about you, I actually went and watched every single TikTok that you had loaded. Mm -hmm. It's taken me a few days. (laughs) You got some really good information on your TikTok. Now, D goes by Afro underscore spiritual. Yes. On TikTok, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And on Instagram, yes. And on Instagram. First of all, maybe we could start at the beginning. Now. Because I'm in New Zealand and also the majority of my listeners are in the States, I'm listening to in over 85 countries. Mm. So you've got a fair audience here who may not know precisely Mm. what you do. So maybe we could start from the beginning. Now, Dee is a root worker. Is that correct? You could call me a root worker or a hoodoo practitioner, as long as you don't call me a witch. yeah, I'm not a witch. Not I don't practice witchcraft. I don't do it. I don't do that. I practice root work or what you may call hoodoo. Can you please explain for my listeners and for myself what exactly hoodoo is? Because many of us have heard the terms and kind of conflate it with voodoo, and I know they're not the same thing, are they? They're not. They're not. Um, I will also give a little bit of back history as well when I say all this. Hoodoo is an African-American spiritual practice that came about during the times of slavery in the United States. It was a means for um, enslaved Africans in the U.S. to be able to hold on to their African traditions the best way they can behind the pretense, now keyword pretense, of Christianity, the Bible, in the church. Right. I saw that in your post and I found that so incredibly interesting. And I like it 
the African-American situation in the States has always touched me on so many different levels, the unfairness of it. But the fact that you were able to continue your traditions Mm -hmm. right under the eyes of people who thought you were following what they wanted you to believe. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, are there some are there some black folk in the United States who 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 are Christian? They don't practice hoodoo or anything like that. Yes, there is that. Because they're, I mean, that, that's one of the things that's going on in black communities. Like some, they demonize our ancestral practices, right. while others, we embrace it. Right. So we go back to our roots. Some don't want to go back to the root. Others do. And that's where, spiritually, that's where the black community is right now. Right. So w- can you tell us a little bit about what exactly hoodoo is? Well, it is more than just, you know, roots, bones, and animal parts. <laughs> because a lot of people, when they look at Black practices, even with voodoo, um, people just see it, they're like, oh, it's Black magic, oh, it's devil worship, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, oh, they do sacrifices and this, that, and that, and whatnot. We're not going to talk about the sacrifice part, though. Um, but yeah. It's not, none of those things. It's, it's not devil worship whatsoever. It doesn't matter if it's hoodoo. It doesn't matter if it's voodoo. It doesn't even matter if it's orisha or anything like that. Black spirituality or even African spirituality, at the end of the day, and this is where the issue comes in, where people who have an outside view trying to make assumptions right. over things that they don't even know from the inside. Because if they were on the inside, they would have a completely different understanding and opinion. Mm. At the end of the day, Black and or African spirituality, we believe in one supreme creator. At the end of the day, everything that we do from our ancestors to spirits that are in our practice and everything are said to be manifestations and extension of God itself. I totally understand that. That's to understand it, Mahadev. And the backbone to it all, especially with hoodoo, is the ancestors. Your ancestors are your root. Mm. They are your foundation. Everything we do is by the grace of the ancestors and through the ancestors by the grace of God. Without your ancestors, you have nothing. That is what is believed. That's the emphasis that we put on in hoodoo. In other African traditional practices, the ancestors are the beginning point. And everything goes from there. Right. But hoodoo does not involve Arisha or Loa or anything like that. It's all ancestors and God. Right. And I found that when I was listening to your bits that you put on, that the ancestor in New Zealand, the the New Zealand Maori people call ancestors tupuna. And it's Mm -hmm. a very important part of the Maori culture. Mm -hmm. Not quite to the to the same extent as it is in hoodoo but they certainly respect and still look to their ancestors for a lot of things to their tupuna so mm. there's there's quite a bit of similarities and i found that very interesting considering we're literally a wo- half a world apart mm. on the other side of the globe so it just to me shows that some things are a, a global oh yeah ancestral veneration or the reverence of ancestors if you want to think about it the concept of doing ancestral veneration 
predates all mainstream religions and spiritual practices for the most part. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. If you do anthropology study, any anthropology, then that's something that comes up constantly because it is a constant throughout so many cultures. And part of your, part of your uh, uh, ancestral veneration is that sometimes, but not always, you'll have altars to your ancestors in your homes. I know many Asian people do this as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. An ancestral altar... I mean, it depends on the person, depends on the practitioner. Most who do practitioners will have an ancestor altar. But the thing is, the ancestor altar is just a physical representation of what is going on internally within you. Great. Because it is known and believed that your body is your first altar. Your body is your first temple. Your mm. body is your first sacred space. Mm. Because the blood of your ancestors live in you. You mm. are your ancestor. Mm. You are an accumulation of everyone that has came before so all the answers, all the answers are in your blood. All the connections and bonds are in your blood. All the wonder and miracles and mysticism, all everything is in your blood. I actually was just reading just yesterday, actually, uh, a post where I can't even remember who it was. It was an it was an article about how. When a woman is pregnant, the baby cells and her cells intermingle in their bodies alike. And forever, there's a part wall for, I don't know, for how long after the birth of the baby, there's part of the baby's cells still in your body and your cells in your baby's body. So mm -hmm. I kind of like, it kind of ties in with, you know, the blood of the ancestors because there's like physical connection as well as the spiritual connection. We are the sum of our ancestors mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. all. And not only that, within the blood too, like memories, yes. experiences, gifts, traits, everything from even traumas, pains and sufferings, everything is passed down in the blood. I mean, it is recently scientifically proven that, you know, genes do carry memory mm -hmm. and they can be tapped mm -hmm. if you know how to do it. Interesting. Very interesting. So you grew up learning your hoodoo from your grandmother. Is that correct? I did. I did. And the funny thing is, is that she passed it down without even meaning to pass it down. <laughs> And the reason why I say that is because in my family, especially on my mom's side, the women normally learn the ways because oh. I come from a long line of midwives, conjuring midwives. Oh. So they not only tend to births, but they also help with ailments dealing with the womb right. and like basically healers in a right. way. So the men normally don't learn in my family, especially on my mom's side. But none of the women wanted to learn. That came after my grandmother. But yet I was the one who was showing a knack for it. At the same time, I also had a need for it because I was having experience this when I was a kid. So she was like teaching this one. Wow. So in a way, though I'm male, I'm just a placeholder mm -hmm. until either I have descendants or my nieces show an aptitude for it. Right. So I know the midwifering ways because the thing is, when it comes to mid midwifering ways, and some some hoodoo men, conjure men, will debate will try to debate me on this, but hoodoo at the end of the day, from the way I learned and also from what I observed, 
is a matriarchal mm. practice mm. at the end of the day, because there's certain elements of hoodoo practice that you cannot do unless you are, and this is where I say biologically, where unless you're biologically born with the womb and the ability to menstruate. Right. So, and th- there's a reason why I'm being exact on that. I'm definitely aware of, tra- of trans issues, trans movement and everything, and I'm 100% accepting of it. It's just when it gets into certain elements of hoodoo, it's like, I want to be able to give you the answer that you want. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. that issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I say biologically. Yeah. You have to be born a certain way to be able to go into those parts of hoodoo practice right. that is predominantly female. Yes, yes, absolutely. I understand that. I totally get that. It, it's the physicality of it. And that's not to say that there are not many people who are born with physical bodies that don't match who they are, because after all, this body is only the vessel we use. True. I mean, shoot, there's certain elements. I mean, technically, I'm intersex because, you know, outwardly, I pass as male, but internally, I do have recessive traits of female parts. But even then, I cannot go into those parts of hoodoo that is predominantly female. Right. It's just not possible for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I you don't take that as a slight or anything because you understand that's how it is. Yeah, that's how, that's how it is. I mean, that, that's the way I learned and everything because as a male, the way I was taught, your duty as a male in Hulu practice is to preserve and protect and also not only preserve, yeah, preserve, protect, but also speak up on the sacredness of what of the feminine principle in hoodoo practice and what it means. Don't get me wrong, you still speak up about the masculine principle, yes. but the masculine principle is predominant everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the sacred feminine has always been in European Western culture degraded for what mm. word. And so it's like, honey, I don't give, I don't care if you want to, if you want to remain blissful and everything and blind to everything. But the one thing you're not going to do is disrespect another person because they decide to wake the hell up. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. all comes from fear, really, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. And, that, and that's what some people don't understand. Ignorance stems from mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only absolutely. way to quell that is to educate yourself or to allow yourself to be educated. One of the things I've noticed with all your TikToks that I've listened to, and I actually like this attitude, is that if people make a mess and they come to you to try and get it sorted, you tell them to go and sort it out themselves because it's their responsibility. They created it. They need to sort it out. Mm-hmm. Flat on out, because the thing is, the most, the main reason why is because people who come to me with those issues is literally either I had a video or somewhere along the line, someone told them, hey, don't do this. This is a closed practice. You have to be, you have to go about the right channels. You have to go and get someone to help you or this, that, that, or blah, 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 blah. And they will come around going like, I decided to do it. Like, let's take a honey jar, for example. They're like, I decided to do a honey jar and everything. And my boyfriend is like, he's becoming, he's getting all violent and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, so why didn't you listen the first time? Well, I thought that because we both love each other. No, baby, you did that honey jar on your own accord. 
And now it's bringing out the truth of your relationship. Interesting, that is not. So how is that? How is that yeah, my problem? Right. Well, I don't want to end up getting hurt. It's like, okay. Well, what can I do? Go to a river, unscrew the top, throw it in the river, and pay the river to ask you to ask it to see if it go wash it away for you. Well, I don't have a river near me. I'm like, well, then looks like you take popping in the car and going on the road trip then. But that's too much work. And I tell them. In hoodoo practice, we call it spiritual work for a reason. And sometimes we have to work our ass off. That's the problem. You dabbled in something that you shouldn't not have. And now you have to go and put in the work and now you don't want to put in the work. Make it yeah, make sense. exactly. I really like that. That's like, I actually really like that attitude because it's not mollycoddling people. People don't learn. I mean, you can have compassion and you can have understanding, but if they know that it's a closed practice and it's something they shouldn't be dabbling in anyway, and we'll get into that in a little bit, then the consequences mm. are on them. Absolutely. It's like it's like a child. Mm -hmm. You tell a child, don't touch that burner, it's hot, you'll burn yourself, and they go and touch it, and they burn themselves. Oh, mum, I burnt myself. You know, what do you mm -hmm. do? That's the yeah. burning. Uh, person, personally, the way I see it and the way I've always operated must be my grandmother and me. Shoot. I have no sympathy, pity, or compassion for the woefully and also willfully foolish. I only have compassion, pity, and sympathy for the unintentionally foolish. Yes. And that's it. That's a big difference. Let me go back to a few things you said, Dee. First of all, can you explain for my listeners what a closed practice is? Uh, and who do is a closed practice? Is that correct? Yes. Um, a closed practice in a lump sum is either a is a cultural oriented practice that comes from a group of people or peoples that requires initiation or ancestral blood ties to. Right. That's what a closed practice is. Hoodoo is a closed practice. It's unique in its own way compared to the other African traditional religions because other African traditional religions, it does require initiation. You have to go and find a priest or priestess to read for you to see if the spirits of those practices want you to be in those practices. And most people, especially in the United States, is like, oh, I'm white, so I cannot go. It's like, nah, bullshit. There's so many people. There's so many. There's white people in, in our closed practices and everything. But they went to the right people, got the readings, and the spirits of those practices said, come. Right. And come on in. And they went and got their head washed and everything, initiated. And look, they're operating in full context in African traditional practices because the spirits of our practices seen something in them either that they would do great or that they will find healing right. potentially to their ancestral lines and where they come from. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the spirits of our practices, we're human. We are only able to see what's on the horizon. Mm -hmm. The spirits of our practices, including ancestors, be able to see not only what's on the horizon, but also beyond and below the water and above the water. Mm. That's really the thing. Hoodoo is unique because it is a spiritual practice, not an organized religion like the other like the other um, yes. ATRs. I can't even call them organized religions. I'm going to call them, or I'm going to call them organized spirit, spiritual religio practices. I'm just going to use that term for the moment. Hoodoo is unique because it's not organized like that. Right. So there's nuance to initiation. It's closed to those who, do, who are not directly 
African-American and or Black. Right. So if you don't carry the blood, you cannot practice. But when it also comes to Black people, the reason why it makes it close to Black people is because you need a, at least one ancestor that practices hoodoo or practiced hoodoo. That's right. your way in. That's your ticket. Right. But when it also comes to people who are not of the people, your way into the practice is either by A, being invited in by someone who is a practitioner themselves, or B, you having a family, let's say that you had a family member that married in and everything who practices, that's your way in if they decide to teach it. Sometimes, especially amongst Black folk, sometimes just going to your church and getting the baptism might be your initiation. Oh, wow. Having your grandma, having your uh, uh, elder or something like that call you into the kitchen and they observe how you make a recipe and everything. And if they give you that nod of approval or, or any kind of approval, that could be your initiation right there. Simply getting your head anointed by, by an elder can be an initiation right there. Or it's simply put, it could be like, for example, how in the States and everything, a hoodoo practitioner going like, honey, you're family now. You're invited into the cookout. Come on. That could be an initiation right there. Wow. So initiation in hoodoo is so nuanced. Mm -hmm. It is so nuanced. It does not take an organized form. And it's built on the solidarity of trust. Right. Is what people don't understand. Right. As in, if you can't be trusted, honey, you're not in this practice. Mm -hmm. And that goes for both white and or black. Because in African traditional practice, in African diasporic practice, it is known. It is known. Not everyone's meant to be a practitioner. Not everyone's meant to have this knowledge because this knowledge could easily be abused. Right. And some people would not be in service to the spirits or the ancestors. They would be in service to themselves. Right. These practices are even close to its own people. Being Black or being a descendant does not give you all access pass. You still need to go and get your readings and everything and be validated and all that stuff and confirmed. Right. Simply put. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most people are meant, most people are meant to be simply devotees right. of these practices, as in going to these people to who know the ways to get work done for them on their behalf or have their readings done to help them keep walking with their back straight. That's very interesting. So, like in terms that perhaps is easier for some people to understand uh, being a practitioner rather than a devotee is sort of like being a priest or a priestess in ways yes okay that's very very interesting now i will say this though venerating and honoring your ancestors honey that's an aspect that's not closed anyone could do that (laughs) yeah absolutely i'm talking specific practices Mm. like you talked about a honey pot. Now, can you explain? Like, that's part of... A pre- oh, yes, the honey jar thing. Um, yeah, the honey jar. And the thing is, in modern day's time, especially amongst new practitioners, they think that, you know, doing a honey jar will help make someone fall in love with you and all that stuff. It will keep y'all, and make them sweet on you. It can improve a relationship. And don't get me wrong, it has those qualities. It can do that because honey is sweet. Honey is internal. Shoot, a jar of honey can last up to 3,000 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's eternal. But the thing is, when people do it, especially people who are not of the blood, when they do a honey jar, they don't know the history behind what a honey jar is, especially amongst African-Americans going all the way back to the days of slavery and oppression. A honey jar 
was made for a specific purpose to ensure that families would stay together and find their ways back to each other being separated from mm-hmm. each other by force or have no other choice but to because of the great migration period and things like that. Mm. It was a means of going like, we will find our way back to each other no matter how far we go. Oh, wow. That's the significance of the honey jar in mm. African-American culture and practice. Right. It wasn't for the whole, fa- the whole fact of fall in love with me. It was like, no, if we ever separate I know you will come back to me. Wow, that's actually incredibly touching. That and a, a lot of hoodoo practice and African-American practices carries those significance because it's a practice of survival. We work on the need of mm. necessity, learning to just right. use what we got. Shoot, and that's what it is. I mean, a good hoodoo practitioner, and I'll tell you this right now, can easily take a glass of water and do so much with that water. They can mm. either bless you or curse you. They can either fix your situation or make it worse just by spe- simply speaking over the water and doing right. something. And I guess that's putting your intent into it and your energy into it. Mm-hmm. But it's not just me, it's my ancestors too. Right. Because that's another thing that most people don't understand. It's like when we say root work, most people say, oh, you're working with roots, plants, herbs. It's like, yes, but that's not the deepest essence of root work. Your root is your ancestors. Right. I'm glad you explained that. Your root is your ancestors. So whenever I'm doing work, because it is known and believed, your ancestors are a part of nature. Why? Because when they die, their bodies go back to the earth, which then feeds the soil, which then feeds the plants and the roots. The animals eat the plants and the roots. And what do humans do? We eat both the roots and plants and also the animals. And we facilitate that cycle until it's our turn to give our body back to nature. Right. We are walking embodiment of our ancestors, walking around in the human world. They're in our blood. We are part of them. They're part of us. The stars are said to be the souls of the ancestors looking down upon us. So everywhere you look, there is ancestors. Don't get me wrong. There's other spirits too. But everywhere you look, there is ancestors. And it's all connected by the grace and interconnectivity and dependence of God. And when I say God, most people, I don't want people thinking that I'm talking about the Christian God. Creator I'm talking about mm-hmm. the God, the source, the creator. I'm talking about the yes. universe or consciousness, if you will. Absolutely. So, and we're all connected by that. So whenever I mm-hmm. pray, it's not just me praying. It's also my ancestors praying. Whenever I sing, it's not just me. It's me and my ancestors dancing, doing anything, working with my hands. It's not just me. A hoodoo practitioner is never alone in their work. And it's, it actually is quite a tremendous responsibility, isn't it? When you look at it like that. Yeah, because what you do affects the next seven generations moving forward and backwards. The reason why I say, the reason why I say backwards too is because by doing the work, mm. by living a better life, by also walking in sacredness and veneration, you also clear up generational and family mm. issues that may fall down in your line. And that's one of the primary goals with ancestor veneration and also who to practice. It's a community thing. It's a family thing. But not only internally, but also externally, you are clearing up generational issues. So that way, when it goes to future generations, yeah. Honey, they're better off. You put in the work for now, so your future is brighter 
but your past is clear. I really like that. That really impressed me when I heard you talk about that on one of your TikToks. It really hit home. And I thought, well, that's a really very, it's a great attitude to have to realize that you're affecting change. Mm-hmm. That, and that's a positive thing. I see that as being very positive. And the goal ultimately is healing and re- reunification. Is it? That's really what it is. It's like I said, you're reconnecting mm-hmm. to your roots. You're reestablishing them. It basically, think of it like this. You are mending the tree in which you descend from, which connects to a bigger and greater tree. Just before you said that, I was just actually going to say, I have this image in my mind of this massive tree, this solid tr- trunk with branches going into the sky, but equally branches going underneath. So it's reflected. What's above is reflected below. I saw that very clearly in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's something that my grandmother always told me. It's like, that's the gift of utterance. You just be talking and next thing you know, you would say was on someone's mind, heart, or the situation that's going on. I'm like, well, it just slipped out. Okay, let's just keep it moving. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Can I go back to one thing you mentioned earlier? when we were talking and that was the Orisha so for my listeners who may have been listening and wondered what that is can you please explain what Orisha is the Orishas and take this with a grain of salt because I just initiated into Lukumi which is the Afro-Cuban version of Orisha practice so I'm just base level initiate granted I have been doing some study before I got initiated but This is from my current understanding. So everyone, please take this with a grain of salt. The Orishas are said to be manifestations of the one creator source, not only in the cosmos, but in nature. Some people on the outside will look at them as gods or deities. And it's like, no, they're greater than a god or deity. They're greater than Zeus. They're greater than Thor. They're greater than they're they're greater than greater than all that. The reason why? Because they're intermediaries. They are direct manifestations of God. Right. There, it's not like the other pantheons where like someone birthed another mm-hmm. and another and another, creating like a, a like a like a parental tree in a way. No, they are direct manifestations. They are divinities in their own right. They are God, but different facets of it. Got you. Oh, that's very interesting. And same with the loa, which is in voodoo. So loa is, okay, it's the same thing as the risha, but a different name. Then it's similarly, it's, how to say this, voodoo, the loa and orisha, they originate in the same area in West Africa, right. but the practices share some similarities, but they're different still. Right. So the concepts and principles are the same, but the expressions and the stories different. Perfect explanation. Now, that brings me to another point, which was something you mentioned when you talked about you were going into this area. You talked about the mummy water. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. That was a fiasco within itself and everything. Um, the mummy water practice is said to be a set within the Vodun practice, which comes from the Fon people in West Africa. Now, Mamiwata itself is said to be a mermaid primordial water spirit. Mm -hmm. 
But the Mami Walta practice is the veneration and worship of primordial water spirits oh, that has said to been here since the beginning. Mm-hmm. The reason it jumped out at me is because I interviewed a gentleman. Uh, well, he, I've had him on my show twice, and he has Ghanaian roots. Uh, his wife's mm-hmm. Ghanaian. And he talked about the Mami Wata and how one of their relatives was abducted by the Mummy Water and returned three years later. And mm-hmm. that, that yeah. happens. It really do yeah. happen. And not only in uh, off the coast of Africa, but also here in the United in not only in the United States, but also wherever, wherever there is Afro or African or African descendant people, those water spirits are going to mm-hmm. be there. The water spirits in New Zealand, very the Fey folk of any description are called Patiparehe, that's an over, overview name for them. But the water spirits specifically are called Ponaturi. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Ponaturi. So it's like, again, mm-hmm. it's a worldwide... Yeah, because shoot, even in Black culture in the United States, shoot, my grandmother growing up, she always told me, don't be out by the water at night. I don't care if it's a river. I don't care if it's the sea. I don't care if it's a lake. And I'm like, why is that, Grandma? Because... Then water spirits, they may come and take you. You go missing. And you'd be lucky if they bring you back. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'll, 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 I'll be sure to be safe and everything, especially by the sea. Especially by the sea. Um, because if they bring you back, it is said that you might come back with mystical knowledge and understandings beyond what most humans are even capable of knowing. Yes, absolutely. But that's if they bring you back. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this woman was away for three years in human terms. And during the time she was away, she said that they used her to breed from. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's kind of ties them with so many other things. But I'm not going there. But I I just that mummy water just jumped out at me when I heard you talk about it in that particular TikTok. Yes, I was at first going to go into mummy water practice, but the person who was my mentor at the time. Um, did some background research on him because things weren't lining up. Right. He was a fake priest and he was trying to use me as a spiritual battery. Oh, so he's an energetic vampire. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in, in, in the practice it's called a Bakur, a dark practitioner or a shadow worker, ah, if you will. Right. And so I went on the offensive. I blocked him and left him. He tried to work roots on me. I simply went to my family's home. I cracked open the pots that we had, mainly my grandmother's pot. And uh, this is where, you know, the only time I'm going to mention about animal sacrifice, I had to bring out the big guns to go against a priest and put him in his place for the protection of myself and also potentially my family. Right. So the thing is, though these practices are of God, We do have some, like every practice in the world, we do have some dark ways. Mm -hmm. Some people are comfortable doing it on the everyday. Others only do it if they have no other choice. And in that situation, I had no other choice. I had to protect myself. I had to protect my home. Mm -hmm. Simply put. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
I understand that there are many aspects to hoodoo that we can't talk about and and I would never pry mm. I would never pry that's not the point of this the point of this mm. is just to share knowledge and information so I'm not going to go into that anything I'm not going to ask you any more questions about that because I respect that boundary and I'm not going to and I appreciate I'm not going that. to put you in a position that makes you uncomfortable either that's not what I'm about maybe we can go on to some other things mm. Could you share with us some of the things your grandmother taught you about that are that are okay to talk about traditions and beliefs like like not going near the water at night? What are some of the other things that that you've been told that anybody could, you know, perhaps use in their life? Goodness. Well, I've recently made a video about it and everything. Having a bowl of rice yes. next to your bedside whenever you're sleeping and everything, because there's spirits. Um, and ironically, when I made that video, people from different parts of the world were coming out saying that, oh, my God, we call this here. Oh, my God, we call this here. Oh, my God, we call we call this spirit that you're talking about here, this, that, and the other. So in African-American culture and folk tales and more, you have a bowl of rice or newspaper around your bed or, or taped to the wall or a straw hair broom upside down by your front door and everything to ward off boo hags and or haints, which is said to be spirits that would target you and come to you in the middle of the night and torment you in your sleep, draining your breath as in your life force, making you exhausted, giving you nightmares, things like that, until you die of those afflictions. One particular the boo hag, it is a haint. Haint just means restless spirit. Thank you. Um, boo hag is said to be a witch. So in our practice, if you're dealing with the boo hag coming to you in the middle of the night, the bowl of rice will only work for a short period of time until we find a workaround. Right. Because the boo hag is said to be an actual person, a witch. And the folklore behind it is that they take off their skin mm. to be able to creep into your house in spirit form to come and torment you. And the story sometimes is literal, but it's metaphorical of, no, you have an actual person who is working against you. Right. And they're coming to you, as in through dreams, astral projection, sending other spirits or work are coming to you to torment you. Right. I, I was actually going to bring up the boo hair again, hates. <laughs> so it, that, that's really cool. I spoke with a lady a few seasons ago who's a granny witch in Appalachia. Mm -hmm. And we have the same thing. Yes. yes. Let's go into the more uh, away from your practice, actually, and talk about some of the cultural traditions and beliefs. Like you've got the, the boo hag. What sort of other creatures do you have? that are part of your tradition, like spoke with a wonderful Navajo couple and they talked about the skinwalkers. Oh, goodness. We don't even say that name here. That's in Native American. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's in Native American lore. Um, depending on the part where you are, you don't even say that name because they, 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 they could come around. Yes, correct. That's what they said. And everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, it, oh, goodness. So then it depends some tribal stories say that they are corrupt shamans or medicine men or women. Yes. 
Some would say that it's just a spirit, but either way, they have the ability to shape shift into whatever is needed or necessary in order to corner their quarry and draw them in. Yes. No, I spoke with a Navajo couple who told of their experience with a skinwalker. No, I meant, sorry, I wasn't clear enough. I'm, oh, okay. I mean, we have something similar in a way, um, but it's not really similar. Um, goodness. That's where we get into people in hoodoo practice, which is called, we call them shadow workers or shadow men. Or women. Right. And those are people who take the practice and they basically do unjustified work because justification being justified is a big, big thing right. in our practice. Yeah. Uh, personally, I don't believe in karma, yeah. uh, to be honest. Um, and there's many reasons for it. And my thing about it is justification. I will yes. only do what is justified. As in, if you do right by me, then it's justifiably I do right by you. Absolutely. Do wrong to me and it's justified, then I will do wrong back to you. And I'll walk away with no guilt, regret, or anything on my back. They do unjustified work, as in they contractually make agreements with certain spirits to pawn off their debt, to pawn off their consequences, to pawn off the justice that is seeking them. And as long as they uphold those agreements and contracts, they could do whatever willy-nilly and nothing bad will happen to them as long as they uphold those contracts. And with that said, they're not respecting the universal balance of things. They're not respecting the scales. So they could just curse and do whatever willy-nilly and all that stuff. They work with more malicious forces. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. And if the day comes, they don't fulfill their contracts. All that accrued debt that's been pawned off and put at bay, retribution. Right. And, And knowing how to be able to identify one or even knowing when you come across one is such a big thing. That's the reason why before leaving out of your house, before even talking to anyone on the phone, even too, because your phone, believe it or not, y'all, is a mirror to other places in the world. Yeah, mm. And anything can come through your phone, just like how something could come through your TV or come through a, a bathroom mirror, things like that. It could come through your phone. Shoot, that's, that's a walking crystal ball right there, just saying. Um, you have your protections on you, even in your own home. Mm. I'm with you 100% on that. Absolutely. That's why you have to be. That's why you have to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, or who you even talk to at a distance, because you never you never know what they got going on in the background or creeping on around them, and that very thing that might be creeping on around them or what they're doing can even easily take a liking to you and be like, let me just go on through here. Mm, Absolutely. And is that one of the reasons when you're out in public where you often have your head covered? In fact, I, I don't think I've seen one video of you when you're walking out in public, not in your home or in private area that you don't have a head covering on. I wrap my hair more times than not. I mean, I might have very little hair, but the thing is, it doesn't matter if you have hair yeah. or not. Your crown, your head is a direct access, is one of the, is one of the direct access points to your spirit. Right. It is known in, it doesn't matter if it's African, it doesn't matter if it's Afro or even Black in the United States. Not everyone is meant to be praying for you. Not everyone is meant to be laying hands on you to do Mm. healings. Not everyone is meant to be touching your person or your head. Mm. And knowing when to tell a person no Mm. 
or not accept any of things is crucial and will keep you safe more times than not. That's actually really interesting that you say that because it always it brought to my I'm always really cautious when I go to hairdressers and I've never actually understood why until just now people touching my hair like I, while I love having my hair done you know in the times when we can I'm always really apprehensive when I go to a hairdresser not because they're going to do a bad cut. Mm. And I never could understand why. Now I understand. Now you've put that into context for me. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Oh yeah, you could, you could, you can mess up someone's whole spirit and life just by just by doing something to their head. Mm. Very interesting. You you really can. You really can. That's the, and, and that's the reason why I always have my hair wrapped up and everything. That's the reason why I carry on protective charms and talismans and stuff like that. Because shoot. There's some people and everything where I'll be walking around and stuff like that, and they will see me, especially here in Mexico. If they say something to me, regardless if it's in Spanish or English, I don't take their word on it genuinely. Right. I literally like, mm-hmm, keep it moving. Or if someone in the United States, when you sit there and go like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I pray for myself. Thank you. Keep that to yourself. I hate that when people say that. To me, it's one, it's very condescending. not always not always I will clarify that but very often people use that as a way of belittling Uh, I'll pray for you because Mm -hmm. you need it you're a sinner you're a poor yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. and it's that energy there's even some Reiki practitioners out there some Reiki practitioners out there they would be like oh can I do a Reiki healing for you I just feel called be like no yeah no no I don't want a Reiki healing from you thank you it's like why I practice Reiki and this and that I'm like honey you need to go and assess and tend to your own spirit and turn that Reiki onto yourself instead of always trying to pour from an empty pot. What are you going to give me when you got nothing? Yeah. yeah. Go heal your own self. Shoot, stop worrying about others. <laughs> My podcast started out of a, a Facebook group I have called Walking the Shadowlands. And I started it to be able to help as many people as I could on a spiritual level and to educate. And this is something that I constantly say to my people who people who come to us for help oh I'm da, da. I said look you can't get from an empty pot you cannot get from mm. you've got to look after yourself got to sort yourself out and and when I heard you say yes this man is just so onto it he's just so onto it well you you are your first relationship mm. you are your first marriage mm. If the relationship or marriage with yourself is not good, how can you expect to not only be able to love or be in service or help or be there for anyone else if you can't even be there for your own self? Absolutely correct. I applaud that. It literally is common sense. Granted, common sense is not as common anymore, but (laughs) it still is common sense. It's common sense. So many people forget in this world, and don't get me wrong, I was from them. I I used to be like that. Literally, if you were speaking to me three years ago, like remembering and tending to the duty to myself and my own happiness would not have been there because I was uh, back back then I was constantly pouring to other people. Yeah. Now here I am, 29 years old, getting ready to go into my 30s by next year. I'm like, uh-uh. I am my first priority. The duty to myself is my first priority. My happiness is my first priority. Oh, look, you know what? 
I'm not your mum, but I feel incredibly proud of you. Uh, you could be my son, you know, the same age as one of my babies. <laughs> but, you know, like for someone, and I don't mean this in a but for someone so young, you have such a maturity about you. And that comes from your spiritual maturity. It does. Well, granted, not only that, I went through a, I went through a lot of hot lessons, yeah. y'all. I really did. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, from drugs, sexual assault, and everything, and not only that, finding out about what, going on five years now, finding out that I was HIV positive when I wasn't even, when I didn't even know it. Wow. I had to be faced with my own mortality. Mm. And not going to lie, I am HIV undetectable now. I am so aware of my own sexual health. I'm able to um, educate others and even younger gay folk who are out there just messing up and not even being safe. Mm. But because I faced the reality of my own mortality and nature of it, it made me better in who I am mm. and what I am. And not only that, I am literally, I'm not only young enough, I'm literally living in the century where not only a vaccine, but also potential cure for HIV could come around when I'm in my 50s or 60s. Yeah. So I'm like, there's hope. Thank you to all those who came before and everything who unfortunately lost their lives to HIV. But because of the research and also because not willing, obviously not willing, but because of your passings and sacrifices, it paved the way to where I could have the medications to today's time to where I can live a normal and healthy life, yeah. which is also paving, paving the way as well to where a potential cure can be about. But yeah, that's, that's how it is. So I went through a lot of shadow to be able to get to where I am yeah. now. I really did. And that's one thing about spirituality that most people underestimate. Everyone thinks that, oh, I'm going to go and be a light. It's like, honey's enlightenment is not all what it's cracked up to be do you know the journey to be able to get to even a, a, even a glimmer of enlightenment requires a lot of self-sacrifice and a lot of destruction of the mm -hmm. self and pain you have to walk through a lot of shadow yes. first you have to confront the darkest levels of yourself first Absolutely. before you can even understand the sweetness of light oh totally correct and i like there's a confucius saying that went out in the in this early 70s and it's before enlightenment chop wood fetch water after enlightenment chop wood fetch water which means that you may be the most spiritual person on this planet but you still have to deal with your day-to-day -day realities like you did before that mm -hmm. doesn't alter no, and yeah. a lot of people when they're on a spiritual journey they think that once they become spiritual that you know the physical day-to-day -day things don't really apply so much no it do because there's spiritual and the physical and there's physical and the spiritual right. it's it's just divine it's just divine reflections and fractals of each other mm. shoot i mean the whole spiritual journey is literally you go in and trying to seek yourself and then after that you go through all the bullshit and everything else just to come around full circle to it's like i've always been myself yeah yeah I just had to pull the wool from over my face and everything, just be able to see that I've always been what I've always been. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You are so interesting to talk to. What advice can you give people about discerning what sort of spirits may be around them? One, it all begins with yourself. You must understand how your own spirit orients and also understand how you, how impressions of energy feels to mm -hmm. you. 
how do you perceive it? How do you see it? How do you hear it? All those things, understanding your senses. If you don't have a firm grasp of how your own spirit orients when it comes to discerning different types of spirits, you are going to be, uh, you're going to be, you're literally just going to be sitting in water stuck, basically in a boat with no oars or anything like right. that. You won't know how to navigate yeah. it. So it's like, I tell that to everyone. I'm like, you need to go and understand yourself first before you try to understand other energies. Absolutely true. And that's what I say to people. You've got to listen to what your body's, I say it in different words, but it's the same message. You know, I say, you've got to listen to what your body's telling you. So therefore you have to mm -hmm. know what you feel and what's, what yeah. your normal baseline is basically. Because the most common phrase that people come and say is that they sit there and say, um, they're like, well, I'm trying. I'm like, stop right there. You are messing up. Mm -hmm. They're like, what do you mean? I'm trying. Stop right there. You are messing up. But I'm trying. That's the problem. Try. Pay attention to what you're mm -hmm. saying. I'm trying, meaning you're overthinking it to the point that you're becoming your own obstacle. Mm -hmm. Stop trying. Relax. Just do, let it flow. That's, that reminds me of Yoda. Do or do not, he says. Yeah. And I also, and I'm a stickler for words, and I tell people all the time, whenever I ask them, and when they're like trying to, they come to me going like, well, I'm trying to figure out my gifts. I'm like, okay, tell me what, tell me what your gifts are. I don't say think or anything yeah. like that. They will use key words where they're like, I think, or yeah. I feel, or I see, or I know. And I always have to be like, okay, stop right there. Go back to the thing that you just said. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, go back to the thing you just said. Well, I said, I feel. There you go. That's your gift. And they're like, wait, what? It's like, just by speaking, you wasn't aware of what you were saying, but subconsciously you said what your strongest gift is that is natural to you. Yeah. You said you feel. You're supposed to be focusing on how things feel to yeah. you. You said you see, you see or you think. That's in the mind. You're supposed to be working on your sight, working on your clear cognizance in a way. You said, and, and for some people, it may even pertain to your hearing. Yeah, absolutely. So you, just by speaking, you would subconsciously say what your strongest gift is. Just pay attention to what you say. That's all it is. For some people, it's like, well, I know, hey, you know, which means you have the gift of knowing. So that's what you need to go right. with. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's exactly what I say to people, too. Not those right words, but exactly the same. So it's quite interesting. It's basically one of those things that's like people naturally carry the answer. And all it is is that, oh, honey, you, you just need to adjust your lens. There you that's go. it. It's perspective. It's Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Now, on a little bit of a different subject, as a practitioner, do you often get asked to cleanse places of any yeah, yeah. spirits? I do. Are, you, a, I are do. you able to perhaps share maybe a couple of those experiences? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll share a good experience, and I'll also share an experience that got way too intense. Well, um, the good experience is that it doesn't matter what, what I do first. I will always, 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 always divine mm. before I go and do a cleanse uh, or house cleansing or anything like that. 
because you know people will tell you what they think was right what they think was going on with their house right but it's like okay i, I hear what you're saying i i, I want to see what spirit is saying about this first and so i would divide it the good experience i had happened and everything was that they would tell me oh my god my house is haunted and everything and da, 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 da. i need you to come and usher these spirits out and, da, 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 da. and i'm like okay well i sat there and divined it i showed up with my stuff the only thing I had was a glass of water and a white candle and my tarot cards. That's it. And they're like, wait, I thought she was going, I thought she was going to be doing a house clearing. And I'm like, oh, I am doing a house clearing. I need everyone in the family in order to sit down with me right now. It's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, this is the house clearing. What we're going to do is that we're going to hash out the pent up and passive emotions that people are not confronting or saying right now, because y'all not being haunted. Y'all are haunting yourselves the unspoken energy that y'all have not been talking about. Yeah, that's what's haunting y'all. That's what's causing issues. So we're going to hash this out right now. We're going to have a kumbaya moment and come to Jesus. So what's going on? And I sat down and went into counselor mode and forced the family to speak up and what was going on in their hearts and mind and clear up years of BS. And upon doing that, at the end of the day, I left. They had no more issues. That's very cool. Sometimes it's not, it's, sometimes it's not always, oh, some spirit is haunting you. It's like, honey, more times than not, it's you or a group of people haunting yourself because you're not being upfront with speaking up, up what's on your heart or your mind. Mm-hmm. So that energy needs release. That energy is getting restless. So what does it do? It projects outside of you and becomes its own thing. Right. And just causes issues around the house. Right. That's what a poltergeist is. That's literally all what a yeah, poltergeist yeah, is. Exactly, exactly. And and you brought unexpressed emotions and mental energy that needs expression. Yeah. So it takes on a likeness of its own to just express right. itself. And that and it will not go away until you until you deal with your to deal with your BS. Exactly. And very often also it happens around teenagers who have all that built up angst and hormonal stuff that they can't express. Mm -hmm. In fact, in my group at the moment, like you, when I get specific people asking for help, and I don't charge in my group, it's all free, I go away, especially when there's children involved, I go away and I won't answer them. I might wait one or two days before I get back to them because I think about the situation and I feel it out and I Mm-hmm. And I see what's going on. Like I've got one specific one at the moment. And it's I know it's not what the mother is presenting it as being. Totally not. Mm-hmm. Yep. The worst experience I had, well, it's not really the worst, it's the darkest experience. I went to go and do a house clearing and everything. And I divined it. And I was like, and I'm going, the thing is, I divined it first. Right. And I was like, okay. This is a simple thing, simple house clearing. Started to do the house clearing and I noticed that the home itself, something in the home was fighting. And I had to sit down and redivide everything. And I was like, oh, there was some hidden stuff here. This ain't no poltergeist. This is an actual like malevolent force that's trying to claim possession over this home and family. My goodness. And so I broke out my stuff and everything. Broke out the frankincense, myrrh, rosemary. I broke out my Bible. I broke out some talismans and fetishes. And I started to do my work. But it started to fight even harder. 
And then this is, a, and this is something that I tell most people, and this is where the duality of practice comes in because I know it myself. I set everything down because I started to hear it whisper. It's like, you cannot, you, you cannot stand up to me. You cannot hold a candle to me. Uh, this, that, and the other. Like literally challenging right. me. I set everything down. I took off my glasses and I just said out loud. And I'm like, don't for once think you are the biggest and worst thing out there because I might walk with God, but honey, when I flip that switch, I'm worse than the devil itself. I will become your hell. I will become your jailer. Don't try me whatsoever. And I opened up my pot and I was just like, because you will live in this to the end of your days and you will not know no promise of the afterlife of reincarnation. Now, what's it going to be? It was a trickster spirit trying to act yeah, and puff yeah, up yeah. and everything. And it just dimmed right back down. It's like, oh, crap. I'm like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Now, what is going to be? You leave or you're here and I'll be sure to bury you in the earth and you would know no promise, no nothing, not even any light, no compassion, no anything, just internal darkness, alone, scared, withering. It left. And that's a very valid point about trickster spirits, isn't it? I've, like, in all my years I've been doing this work, I've never truly come across something that wasn't human trying to portray itself to be something else in order to scare people. Don't get me wrong. There are dark forces and malevolent entities and energies out there that are truly are what they say they are. But for the most part, honey, they don't mess with humans. It is quite rare to come across those kind of energies and everything. Most people sit there and be like, oh my God, there's a demon in my house. I'm like, maybe more times than not, you're not dealing with a demon. You're dealing with yourself or a trickster spirit. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And, and And that's why I tell people the duality when it comes to being a practitioner. It doesn't matter how how sanctified you are or anything like that. And I, and I, this is the reason I tell people, hey, you better be strong in your faith, strong in conviction and understand who you are. Because as much as you're capable of great good, you are more than capable of the darkest and most malevolent and twisted of evils. Yeah. And by knowing your power in that, honey, you have nothing to fear, but the only thing that you have to fear is yourself. Yeah. In truth. In truth, that's the reason why, and it took me a while to come to that. And that's the reason why I'm not scared of nothing. The only thing I'm ever scared of is my family, is my ancestors, my family, or the divine itself. Because I know if the divine decided to reach out its hand and give retribution, yeah, I can't hold a candle to that. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I find this conversation is so interesting because you've been answering questions before I've been asking them, just as they formulate in my mind you answer them (laughs) so it's it's really really very cool now just a couple of things you said in there that maybe you might want to clarify for listeners and that's I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them that's talismans Mm. and fetishes can you please explain what they are well I use talisman or fetish like interchangeably in a way some people would say amulets too but all it is is an object that is enchanted or worked on 
that you have an affinity for that assists you in your work. Right. So for people with a Christian perspective, that could be the same as a St. Christopher's medal type thing. Yeah, or, 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 your, or your cross yeah. that you have that you wear around your neck. For me, it's slightly different because I do have a cross that I wear. Um, I do have some necklaces that I made and stuff like that, bracelets, amulets, talismans that I made. Um, I even carry some of, some of my talisman and amulets are, um, are dried animal parts and everything because they carry a, they carry an energy that is designed for that purpose. Wow. And I work with the spirit of that said animal. Ah. Thank you. That brings me to another point. You talk often <laughs> about, about the spirits of things like the spirit or the energy of a place, working with the spirit or the energy of a place, of any place. Can you explain what you mean about that? Different places carry a certain energy, a certain spirit about the place, and it has significant meaning. So when you go to that place, you're in you're in 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 some ways in hoodoo practice. This is the remnants of the old beliefs of the Orishas and Loa in hoodoo. Because when I sit there and say, when it's like, oh yes, I go to the spirit of the I go to the power of place, I go to the spirit of the river to be able to do my work and things like that. And what does a river do? A river is flowing. It has the ability to wash away things or to help you overcome and conquer because rivers are able to bust through dams. Rivers are able to erode things. Rivers are also, they cleansing, they wash away things. Some rivers, if they're clean and flowing, they're sweet and they're refreshing. Now, me be because I'm a part of the Orisha faith, that's the remnants of the Orisha Oshun which is the Orisha of Rivers, sweet flowing waters. Right. I can go to the ocean and everything, the ocean, which is the place of creation, which is said to be the womb, which is the place of birth, and in some cases, the places of endings. That's the remnants of the Orisha Yenaya, because she's known as the mother. Right. I could go to the forest and everything, which is where medicine is kept naturally in the forest where medicine is kept, where life and death also intermingle. And that's also the place where certain Orisha dwell too. I could go to the mountain, which is said to be the highest place you could go to be able to reach the heavens, which is the place of clarity, which is the place of strength and fortitude, certain remnants of certain Orisha that live there. Right. Go to the railroad and everything. Working with iron, certain energies live there. Go to the graveyard. And the graveyard has its own rules because the graveyard is a place. I'll just say it like this. When you walk into a graveyard, you're no longer amongst the realm of the living. You're amongst the realm Mm. of the dead. And you have to orient yourself amongst the ways of the dead. There's certain etiquettes and things that you have to do before even entering. There's certain things that you have to do in the graveyard because you're a living being in the realm of the dead. That, can you talk a little bit about that? Because here in New Zealand, we, with the Maori people, we have some cultural traditions around Urupas, which is their term for graveyard. And one of them is very similar to yours in that when you leave, you must wash your hands and cleanse yourself. Yes, so yeah. can you please explain for my listeners, especially for my Maori people who listen, because I know they will find this fascinating, what are the uh, things that that are expected when you enter and when you're in there and when you leave? 
when you enter, before you enter, you have to assure that not only are you protected or dressed protected, because you never know what you encounter. Mm. You have to have your head wrapped up or a hat on to protect your head, to protect your crown, because anything can attach to you through that. Be sure that you have something cleansing on you, like a like a mix or something, or even like um, or or even a smoke mix that you could that you could light in there and you know, cleanse yourself and stuff like that. But when you go around in the graveyard, you do not want to step on graves. You don't want to step over graves. Also, bring a trash bag with you because if you see any mess, clean up as you go. Be respectful. But before you enter, you give either tobacco, you give either flowers, or you give coins at the entrance because you have to pay your admission to get in right acknowledging the spirit that oversees the whole graveyard not just the spirits in the graveyard mm-hmm. but the spirit that oversees the whole grave because every graveyard has a guardian spirit now and usually that is the first person to be buried in that graveyard or the first whatever be it an animal or human right the first to be buried in that place is usually the guardian of that space. They're bound to that area and they oversee it for all the time. Right, that's really interesting. And you or in, you just go around being respectful, oriented and everything. Hoodoo folk, and, and I mean, amongst African traditional folk and everything too, they go to the graveyard to be able to do their work. But you can't just go in there and just do your work willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. You have to form a relationship with that graveyard. You have to form a relationship with that place. You have to befriend not only the guardian of the graveyard, but also the spirits. Mm-hmm. They have to get used to your presence as much as they have to get used to you. You have to get to the point where it's like you walk up in there, it's like, oh, hey, what's up? Did you bring food or anything like that? How's everything going? You have to get to that kind of level before you're able to do work in a graveyard. And that can require days, weeks, months, or even years of constantly visiting, paying respects and honoring. Now, when you leave, some people would like to pay their way out. Some people would turn their back towards the entrance or walk backwards going out. Some people will just turn their back, just walking out and just walk out and just pay their way. It depends on the family. It depends on the person. Right. So, but once when you leave headed out, that's where you take your, take your water mix for cleansing or you take your smoke mix before you even get in your car. You clean your spiritual points. You wash that stuff. It's a pre-wash actually. You cleanse that stuff off you. And then you get into your car, you go home. But once you get home, that's where you have a your full-on spiritual wash or bath. Right. And you bathe death off of you. So that way, anything that tried to attach itself to you that was not able to leave during the premix is washed yeah. off in full. But even before you get into your home, that's where you do a second, a second washer mix. One that's a little bit more potent. Wash your hands, wash your feet, wash your spiritual points and all that stuff. Then you go and do the bath. So in essence, you're doing two to three washes or cleanses right. before you even get anywhere. You do one before you enter your car. You do a stronger, more potent one before you get through the mm-hmm. door. You get, and then you go and do the bath and everything. What my family does, what I like to do before, when I leave the grave and everything, before I even do, after I do the hand wash and spiritual points and the smoke cleanse, 
I have a mixture of dirt from my home mixed with salt. Mm, and I will take it and I will pat myself down all over with it. Yes, I am putting dirt on myself, mm-hmm. but it's prayed over and it's consecrated. I am neutralizing whatever might be attached to yes. it, which would give me ample amount of time to get inside, get undressed and set everything down, start up my shower, clean myself head to toe, and then use my spiritual bath or wash and wash myself down with that. And then I'm good. The dirt and salt is neutralant. Right. Before I'm able to do the serious stuff. Right. So it's a pre-wash, a neutralizer, and then a wash wash. (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting. And to what you said about making friendships, you know, getting to know... And when I trained as a nurse, I live in a, a particular a town here in New Zealand. And then I lived in a nurse's home because in those days we had accommodation for nurses and it was part of your training that you mm-hmm. lived in. Well, right opposite the nurse's home was one of the oldest, is one of the oldest cemeteries. Well, it is the oldest cemetery in New Zealand. And mm-hmm. uh, I made... Well- I hate to interject for a second. Let me interject for a second. There is a difference between cemetery and graveyard oh. in our in hoodoo practice. Oh, okay. You go to graveyards to work. You don't go to cemeteries. Oh. And the reason why is simply this. Graveyards are normally overseen by a church. Oh, cemeteries are not. Ah. So in hoodoo practice, you go and do work at a graveyard because the dirt there is consecrated and sanctified by a church. Ah. Cemeteries are not, they're not protected. So in cemeteries, you are more likely to come across those negative nasties because the dirt is not hollow. Very interesting. I'm glad you made that distinction. Because I actually didn't mm-hmm. know that. So there's something else I've learned today. Very, very interesting. Okay, well, in the cemetery, I used to go and visit it all the time. Before I was more aware, I was young, very young then in my, well, early, well, in my late teens, actually. In my late teens. So I was very mm-hmm. young and very immature. But I used to go there because I felt a lot of peace here and comfort mm-hmm. And I would go there quite often. And then I went away from my town and I came back after like 20 years. And I felt the pull to go up and visit the cemetery. And I had a tape recorder mm. with me and I got, oh, Marianne's back, Marianne's here. All these spirit voices on tap, recognizing and acknowledging me. And mm-hmm. it was just absolutely lovely because I feel quite safe. I know that there are beings in that place that are not good but they don't bother me because the other ones protect me yeah they're vouching for you and they're protecting you it's like this one's ours leave this one alone yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that's quite interesting oh thank you for that verification of the of the difference that's really cool so yeah i mean for example if i was in new zealand and let's say that i wanted to as a hoodoo practitioner i wanted to visit a, a maori grave site burial site well, first, number one, not only before, just even landing in New Zealand, I will have to not only pay respects to the land, it's, I have to pay respects to the land itself mm-hmm. first. I have to make my presence known to the land itself yes. and be there for some days. That way I get to know the land, the land gets to know me, they become familiar with me, they become comfortable with me, I become comfortable with the land, with the spirit of the land itself. Right before I could go to any burial site. 
And then when I go to said barrier site, well, before I go to it, not only that, because I have to go and get and get um, get permission from the people. Yes. Because I have my ways of honoring spirits and everything. Don't get me wrong. But in order to be recognized, I have to ask them and be like, what are some ways that you respect your dead? How do you do this? Because I don't want to be disrespectful. I have my ways, but what are yours? I'm going to do a mixture of the two. I will leave mine because this is what I culturally do. But I'm also going to leave yours because this is what your people recognize. That's what they see. They, want, they might not see my stuff. They might see my stuff as an offense. Shoot, the moment I start pouring white rum, what if it's an offense? Right. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just doing what I culturally do. Right. But even then, I can't, I, even then, I can't take dirt from mm-hmm. there. I can't, I can't just leave stuff. I can't just go up to anyone. I literally, it would be like, en- enter, walk around, maybe clean up and everything if I see a mess, and then I walk out. <laughs> right. Now, that brings up another point. Uh, some of the workings that you guys do, many other belief systems use graveyard dirt. Mm-hmm. How does, what is the significance of using graveyard dirt? Depends on what you, no, it depends on what you, it depends on what you're trying to do. Right. And the only reason I'm asking is that I know a lot of listeners will have heard of grave, you know, they associate that with, with, voodoo and hoodoo and mainly because of the sensationalized you know movies and yeah it depends on what you're trying to do though it it depends because the thing is you know you have to form a relationship not only with the graveyard but also with the spirit of that said grave but that's also not only where forming that relationship but also where doing your research on who they were what life they lived what was their occupation? What was their speciality? This, that, and the other. Because all that plays into that dirt and what you're able to use it for. Right. You cannot just pick up, you can't just go to the graveyard and be like, okay, I got dirt. I'm going to use it for this. It's like, baby, what if you took dirt from a freaking convict and everything and they're angry and you're trying to use that for healing? Mm-hmm. Honey, you just crossed yourself. You, 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 just, you just cursed yourself. Good luck getting that spirit that is now on you Right. Good luck appeasing that one. (laughs) You're on your own for that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all energy and uh, energy exchange. We're going all over the place. But that brings me to another point of energy exchange. (laughs) Payment is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Payment in terms of energy or physical money is a very big thing. And actually, it's something that I'm big on too. Like in my group, I don't charge people for advice. Mm -hmm. But I say you must pay it forward with energy, like by participating in the group. Mm-hmm. That's you know, that's kind of like a payment because it's an energy, a sharing of energy. And Mm -hmm. I know that you're quite big on that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You have to. You have to. Everything is an exchange of energy. And some people might find this like, be like, what? But I'm sorry to tell folks, but, you know, nothing in creation is free except for just, you know, the spark of creation itself. That's it. That's the only thing that's free. Nothing is for free. You cannot give. I mean, you cannot get without giving. Yeah. You cannot give without getting you have to pay for it in some way, shape, or form. Because, and this is from what I've learned over time, the universe, creation, consciousness, God, whatever you want to call it, is only concerned with two things, 
the exchange of energy and the preservation of balance. And it goes hand in hand. If you're constantly taking, 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 okay, well, you're creating an imbalance, not only with yourself, but also with the forces and energies around you. Yeah. And it's going to keep on increasing. That energetic debt is going to keep on increasing, increasing, increasing until one day, one faithful day, if you haven't paid it back in any way, shape, or form, the universe is going to come knocking and it's going to correct that imbalance forcefully. And you might not like what it has to do to correct it. That's the reason why you pay and give offering for every single little bit that you do. That way you always constantly maintaining that balance. You don't have to worry about a debt whatsoever. Constantly. Right. And that's... Even with my own ancestors, the reason why I charge for the work that I do and everything is because with my own ancestors, they told me, you're not giving away anything for free. So when you pay me for to do readings or to do work for you, you're not paying me. Don't get me wrong. The money goes towards my living because yeah. ancestors don't want to see me struggle, but you're not paying me. You're paying my folks to be able to read and work on your behalf. Right. Simply it. It's a sacrifice. Yeah. It's an exchange. And one thing that I learned when I was very young, my spirits told me because I didn't have enough confidence in myself. I felt I had a lot of self-esteem issues back then about not being good enough. And I didn't charge people at all. And I soon got pulled up. My mm. spirit said to me, Miriam, people do not value what they get for nothing. These people that they'll think nothing about going out and buying a pack of cigarettes, which is really expensive here in New Zealand, mm. straight after seeing you. So why are you less than the value of a pack of cigarettes? Why do you feel that you... So they pulled me up on that. And since then, I, you know, I've been quite adamant about exchange because that's so important. You know, like you said, people don't value what they get for nothing. And it's important to have that exchange. Mm, for sure. I mean, shoot, don't get me wrong. My folks will sit down and negotiate with people. We will. <laughs> we will. Because... You like, let's say that um, because my hour sessions cost $100, um, $100 USDA. Now, let's say that someone is unable to pay that, but yet they really need it. And my ancestors see it. They will let me know, be like, sit down and work something out with this one. We, 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 would, we, we, would take, we, we would help this one out. Sit down and see what they're able to give. Yeah, that's the same. That's, I charge 100 New Zealand as well. I, I really do consultations one-on-one -on -one consultations these days because I just find it as I'm getting older I find that my energies are better utilized mm -hmm. where I can do the most good rather than one-on-one -on -one. that's why I do it in my group but yeah that's exactly how I work too and quite often people will say look they'll bring me things like a lady I know she really needed to see somebody one time mm -hmm. she she came and I, I knew she a spirit said she really needs to you really need to see this lady. So mm. she came around and she brought me some stones, hack stones, you know, with the holes in them. Oh, yeah. And to me, that was an awesome exchange. Mm. And I value those stones. I've, you know, still got them today. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Hack stones are amazing. <laughs> and it might it might just be difference between culture, but um, hack stone in, uh, used in, um, in Europe and everything. 
Um, also with just people who are European descendant, because the thing is, I, I tell people this all the time, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You know, those spirits that are native to certain cultures and stuff like that have a tendency to follow people wherever they go in the world. Right. So there's even European or Celtic fae or fae folk that is in New Zealand because yes. it came with those folk. So yes. looking through the hole is said to not only reveal hidden things, but also to reveal to the eye the realm of those folk. Right. Yes, I had heard that. And they, and depending on if they want to be nice or tricksy, gotcha. they, can, they, they can do some harmful stuff. That's very true. I actually have a, I actually have a permanent astigmatism in my right eye because I looked through a hackstone when I was supposed to, when I was a kid. Wow. They and and I used when I was a kid, I used to have sight in both my eyes to be able to see that realm. Playing around with Hagstone, looking what in a forest, looking where I'm not supposed to. I saw some things and they and they keened on to what that I saw them. They took my sight from my right eye. Wow. Just flat on snatched it because I was running. And then out of nowhere, as if I tripped on air felt like something was holding me down something reached for my eye and my eye hurt for the longest time I thought I was blind I wasn't I had to go and get glasses and I had it and I developed a permanent astigmatism in my right eye but in my left eye it turned it developed into being nearsighted I lost my 2020 vision because of that that's very interesting and the thing is based off of the lore and understanding I got off lucky because what if they wanted to take me into their realm and I've never been seen again? All because I saw things I shouldn't have. That's really interesting. And actually, <laughs> I'm so sorry we're going all over the place. That brings me to the area of the Fae. What is the, the hoodoo belief about the Fae? How does the hoodoo... We don't really have belief about Fae in hoodoo practice. Um, in Africa, from old African understandings, we do have quote unquote faith folk, mm. but for the most part, it depend it doesn't depend on spiritual belief. It depends on tribal belief. Oh, and that's the nuanced understanding of it because different tribes in Africa have their own beliefs depend uh, um, uh, pertaining to those kind of folk. Now in the diaspora, we're all a mixture, myriad of many different tribes and everything. For the most part, most of us don't even know which exact maternal or paternal tribe we come from. Right. So placing the Fey or African Fey folk understanding is difficult for us in the diaspora. Uh-huh. We know of their existence. We know that they are around. Right. But we learned and developed and called it, we gave them our own names and things like that just to be able to differentiate and we learned how to be able to counteract them the best way we know have when we know how working with what we got. That's the reason why that's the reason why we have the things like the boo, like the boo hacks and the hanks and plat eyes and everything other else. What's what's that last one you just mentioned? Plat eye. Uh, plat eyes. Plat eyes. What's the plat eyes? Um, restless. Uh, well, restless spirits that are normally tied to hidden and buried treasures and talismans and things like that. Oh. That's a plat eye. And if you catch the attention of a plat eye, honey, not even running is going to save you. Interesting. That's just flat out it. 
You could pour some whiskey on the ground and you might get sidetracked by the smell of whiskey and try to go and lap it up. But if you catch the attention of Plat Eye, nothing is gonna save you. Truly, nothing is gonna save you. And there are many stories. And normally these are tormented and restless black folk that died ah. and or was killed over buried treasure. There's actually one story about this one woman in the North, I forget her name. She knew of the existence of buried Civil War treasure, okay? She led, some, she led some white folks to be able to go and find it and everything. And upon finding it, she was killed. She was beheaded, buried, unmarked. Whoa. But the thing is, what they didn't realize is that she was also a conjure woman as well. So they tried to take the treasure. They couldn't. Everyone died. And they say still to this day that the spirit of that woman that was beheaded, she guards and protects that treasure. Anyone going to find it, she's a plat eye. Anyone going to go and find it, good luck. Because if you manage to find it, you have to deal with her. And she will try to kill you and harm you. Because she died over that treasure. Right. So what makes you think, so what makes you think that she's going to just let anyone try to get it? Right. Yeah. She was killed unjustly just for helping. So literally the mentality is, I got killed over nothing for this. So what makes you think I'm going to give it up so easily? I can understand that attitude. So that's what a plat eye is. They guard hidden places. They guard hidden treasures. Why is it that you guys use alcohol so often in your practice? Oh, it is because of libation. It is to pour not only to acknowledge those who have came before that we know by name, but also to acknowledge those who are unknown by name and who are forgotten. Oh, okay. It's to pour a libation. It's, it's giving a drink to the ancestors is really what it is. So when you pour it, it's like not only are you pouring for those who came before, but it's also for those who are forgotten, who are not venerated or remembered or who are unknown. Oh, thank you for that. You mentioned alcohol so many times and I wondered why. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's cool. And the other thing is the coins. What's the significance of giving the three coins? Oh, the significance of giving three coins is simply have to deal with the understanding of what is the crossroads. The crossroads being a place where both the physical and the spiritual intersect and meet. Right. A lot of things happen at the crossroads. Giving three coins or four, depending on how you are. My family does three. The reason why we do three is to acknowledge the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Gotcha. What is the most important, what is the thing that stands out the most to you that your grandmother taught you or said to you that impressed you the most? Be respectful and be mindful of your words and thoughts because walls have ears now. Anything could be listening. You don't know who walks with said people. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you agree to. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you feel. Because if anything that seen or unseen, like kings on and sees it as a threat, Oh, you better know what you better know what the hell you 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 better know what's up, and I uh, hope you know what you're doing and how to protect yourself. Right. And the other thing as well, be mindful of your thoughts and be mindful of what you feel. Be mindful of what you say because as a practitioner, you have to be so aware of your energy mm -hmm. at all times mm -hmm. because 
even the slightest flex of a thought, you could end up accidentally jinxing, hexing, or cursing someone and everything. And you'd be sitting there going like, crap, 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 crap. And it's like, yeah, it, it, it's just crazy because yeah. we're human. We feel things, we think things, we get upset and stuff like that. But as a practitioner, you have to be extra mindful because yeah. the simple speaking of a, of a word can put something on someone and you don't even mean it to. Yes, absolutely. And I've noticed, I actually have to say this, I've noticed that you are always very measured with what you say. I've noticed that. Not only measure what I say, but also how much emotion I put behind that because yes. naturally I'm a very passionate and intense person. Yes. And that has gotten me into trouble in the past so much. And like in my adult years, I've been working on emotional discipline so much. Feel my stuff, understand my stuff, but don't lose my head in my stuff. Right. Because as much as I promote and try to create prosperity and abundance and happiness, I try to keep the awareness. If I'm not careful, I can easily burn it down with a simple flex of a thought spoken of a word or a flex of a pinky without me even realizing it because mm. I get angry, I get upset or this, that, and the other. Mm. Mm. Slowing down the momentum of the things I'm trying to build or outright destroying it. And then I'm the one to blame about myself, not the other person because right. they might've triggered me, sure, but I'm the one who reacted in a way that's not conducive to what I'm trying to do. Right. So I'm over here like, I, yeah, you might've made me angry, but sh shit, I'm the one who burned it down. <laughs> yeah, I really admire the way you are straight up with your advice. You don't bullshit around. You tell it how it is. But yet there is compassion and love in your words. And even if that is sometimes tough love, it it comes through to me I feel some people strong. honestly and this is it's just the nature of social media some people honestly do not like me for that mm -hmm. they sit there and be like you you come off too intense you're too sharp you need to be more mindful about to say and I'm like honey this is my kitchen <laughs> yeah exactly if you don't like it you can get out and also I tell it to people like this I'm all like honey I'm not intimidating you're intimidated Mm -hmm. that's an issue with you why should I have to dim my shine just to make you comfortable make that make sense for me either get on my level or get out of my way and out of my life that's simply put that's so good do you know what I said by you I wish that when I was your age I had that level of understanding that you did that you do and that attitude, because, oh, my God, it would make your life so much easier. You learn as you go. And I, I admire that. I do. Don't get me wrong. My social circle, my friendship circle, it is small. But the ones who are there, they are genuine and true like no other. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. I scare away a lot of people. Yeah. I really do. But I don't mind. Because the ones who step forward and I'm like, all right, I like I, I could get down with that. I like that. Shoot. Okay. Well, what, what do I need to do to get on your level? You're a real one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're genuine and true. The other thing I noticed about you is that when you give messages from your ancestors, your whole voice and your whole effect changes. Your, your accent changes completely. Yeah. 
It, it depends on who's coming through and everything, because at the end of the day, I'm a conduit. I'm a bridge of communication Great. when it comes to the spirits yeah. and also my ancestors. It depends on which ancestors coming through. It really does. It really do. It really do. I have one who has a thick Gullah Geechee Creole Caribbean like accent. I have one who has a deep Southern Texan accent because that's where he has always been right. for most of his life. Um, I have some ancestors that speak a completely different language. And I'm over here like, I did not grow up learning that. Spirit guys, can you interpret for me, please? <laughs> yeah, I think it must be that first one that you mentioned, the Gullah Geechee, because it's quite a thick, more like what I've, and I only have movies to go by and apologize for this, more like mm -hmm. what you see in the movies, you know, in that, that sort of thick. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's also the tongue that I grew up with most familiar the most, especially with amongst the elders on my mom's side. Right. That's how they talk. Right. Now, my elder cousins, my mom, aunties and uncles, and also people who are my age or younger than me, for the most part, we don't all have that accent or the Gullah Geechee tongue or flair right. to our vernacular. But if you get us talking, it will come out. If you get us around our elders, it will come out. Right. Like, and some of my elders still do speak Gullah Geechee Creole and everything. And like, we might not speak it, but they will say something. They'd be like, yes, some, no, some. We, 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 just, we just get to go in and we just, we, we just understand. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Look, Dee, I could talk to you for hours and I've kept you for quite a long time now. Look, I'm just, I just absolutely love talking to you. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here and talking to you too as well. Where can my listeners reach out to you, contact you if they would like to talk with you or have a consultation with you? My Instagram is the easiest thing. It is at, um, everything is lowercase, afro underscore spiritual. You can reach out to me there and everything. It is my only account. Don't fall for Afro spiritual one or Afro double eyes spirituals and all that stuff. Like literally, my, because scammers have been a big thing on Instagram. I tell you what, my profile, the way to identify it and know that it's the actual profile is that my scheduling system, my Calendly is linked. And it is Calendly.com backslash Afro root works if you see that and it's highlighted blue that is my account i post some of my tiktok content on there sometimes i even post spirit messages out on there sometimes every now and again i will splash a little bit this is what i'm doing my everyday life but you can get in touch with me there just send me a message i will accept it i will answer any questions if you wish to set up any sessions with me schedule it through my calendly and everything will automatically update with place of meeting, when it is, payment, all that stuff. Brilliant. And where do you see yourself going from here in terms of what you're putting out on social media? Um, hopefully, eventually, uh, my YouTube, get that up and going and everything and have a Patreon. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, growing myself, not only spiritually, but also growing my business in a sense to ex eventually expand to where I'm making like tailor-made oils and salves and bombs, soaps, and like, and just uh, like spiritual items and stuff like that. Um, get to that point. 
plan everything, having my own website and stuff, but also personally on my own journey, um, going down the path of Arisha deeper and deeper. And hopefully one day, one day to be a crowned priest and eventually have my own house and my own God children one day, if that is the will of Arisha. I'm just one, I'm just that type of person who's like, I will go wherever Arisha will take me. I will go the distance wherever they allow me to. Right. So as long as it's by their will and by the will of God, I, I will do it. Shoot. Awesome. Dee, thank you so much for your time. And I'm really grateful. I've really, I've learned a lot. It's been a really interesting conversation. I know we've gone all over the place and possibly... I tend to like my conversations to be organic and flow where they flow mm. rather than that might be the spider energy that that normally walks with me you know weaving that web <laughs> right true thank you for your time I really appreciate having you you're welcome I'd like to thank Dee for taking time out of his day to talk with us about a subject that is very dear to him. I've learned so much from our conversation and I trust that you all have enjoyed it as well. What started out as a very unusual way of connecting with a lovely person turned into a great learning experience for me and it also made me feel very humbled and saddened yet again for what all the enslaved African Americans went through in the USA. So just before I close off this episode, I want to remind you all that this is the final episode in the season, actually the final one I'm recording for this season. I'm taking a much needed break for four weeks whilst I try to round up some new and interesting guests for you all to listen to, but during my breakaway, I'm going to replay one of the scariest episodes I've recorded in my nine seasons. So for those who haven't heard it before, you still have something to listen to whilst I'm taking a break. I'm only going to play the first episode of the two, both as standalone episodes, so you can listen to the second interview from our podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, or from any free podcasting apps like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, etc. All of my nine seasons episodes are available from any free app. Today's bumper music was called African Heart from Simon Ling. If you enjoy this podcast and have considered becoming a sponsor, now's a great time to join. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get early access to the podcast episodes and a special members only page on the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com that has bits that end up on the digital cutting board and little extras like full raw unedited video conversations with guests, EVPs caught during the conversations and so much more. Also you can download full written transcripts of each episode and you get my absolute appreciation and gratitude patreon.com forward slash mcc15 for just the cost of a cup of coffee a month.
So you don't miss out on an episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Pandora as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words, open Walking the Shadowlands, and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10, TikTok, under walking, underscored, the, underscored, Shadowlands. Like and follow for teasers of our upcoming episodes. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening. Today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours, I'll see you after the season's break. See you then. Thanks for listening. 